0: Hey there, I'm Andrew Ainsworth, a proud supporter of Sword and Laser, thanks to Patreon.com. It's easy to set up, and what do you get out of it? Endless geeky bantering about the latest sci-fi and fantasy books. So if you want to help out, head over to Patreon.com slash Sword and Laser. Give a little, and get a lot of Veronica mispronouncing things.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont.
0: And I'm Tom Flash Flood Merritt.
1: (laughs) Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you.
0: And occasionally alerts from the National Weather Service immediately before you start to record the show.
1: (laughs) Are you in danger? (laughs) Did you mark yourself as safe?
0: I didn't get the opportunity. It just told me uh, that there's a flash flood warning until 2 a.m. for my area and don't attempt to travel unless you're fleeing.
1: (laughs) That's well, that's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Tricky advice. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Unless you're fleeing an area subject to flooding or under an evacuation order. None of which, neither of which apply to me. So
1: how would you know if you were?
0: If I was under an evacuation order, I guess I would get yeah. another emergency alert. I hope so. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'm glad we, you're safe, though. No, thank you. Um, I don't mean to make light of it, uh, but we've been getting these flash flood warnings from our area uh, since Sunday, and it's Wednesday, so... Mm-hmm. They're serious, and there are places that have been evacuated, and there are places that have been flash flooded in my area. But I, you know, it's a little gallows humor at this point for us to be like, okay, I won't go anywhere. I haven't been going anywhere, and I'll continue to not go anywhere.
1: A little concerned about you being in your basement all the time, but I I don't have a basement. (laughs) It's a
0: basement. This isn't a basement. You have to walk
1: downstairs to get to that room. I don't
0: live there anymore. You've been to this place. I moved from that place. That was my old place.
1: I'm thinking very hard about where your podcast studio is in your current it's a, house. It's a,
0: it's a room uh, down the hall.
1: I only, I will.
0: So you, you came here and you stay yeah. in the bedroom. That's across from a bathroom. Yes. My old house. You and had then to your walk
1: bedroom is, is if I come around. out of the bedroom, I turn right. And uh-huh. then your bedroom is off to the right. So where's this room?
0: This room is if you turned left. Really? Yeah.
1: I didn't know there was a room there.
0: Secret room. <laughs> 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 but yeah, my old place that I used to live, I had to go downstairs into a basement. That, has and a that, base, place, that, that had that a basement. That place did flood once. Yeah. Okay, well,
1: um, this is even better. You're yeah. extra safe. You're not in a basement exactly.
0: anymore. I moved away from that place.
1: All right. Um, okay. Well, glad we glad we clarified <laughs> that for the audience.
0: <laughs> what That's are you nodding on? For? I had a spanakopita quesadilla for dinner.
1: So spinach?
0: Yeah. So what would be the filling How? of spanakopita? Like mm-hmm. the the cream and the cheese and the spinach, but inside mm-hmm. a tortilla instead of inside a spanakopita.
1: Was that good?
0: It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then I had a little tomato um, and cucumber salad on the side.
1: Was that... uh? uh uh one of your meals.
0: I mean, I don't know. Should should do you really wanna know? Was that will that ruin the surprise? Will that yeah. change anything? Yeah it no, was. I guess it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone's
1: thinking the venture brothers at this point. And if you're not, you're not my friend. So (laughs) there we go. Um, I've been going, so as, as all of you may remember from previous, uh, episodes of sword and laser, um, I am currently fun employed. Um, and so I've been, I've been going hard on the training. So I've been, uh, taking kickboxing. I've been, working out every day, got back into powerlifting, going skiing tomorrow. So I'm just making the best of it. Mm -hmm. um, Good for you. While the money lasts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) While the severance check
0: rides out. So I've been,
1: uh, I've been um, protein shaking it up. So that's been my primary Ah. food source. Yeah.
0: You're not eating anything but protein shakes?
1: I have protein shakes at least, well, for one meal, usually for lunch.
0: Okay. All right. That's it. That's not bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of the days when I used to drink that um, uh, soylent
0: yeah, all the time. Right?
1: Remember? That's what guys- I was gonna
0: ask you. Like, if you if you were like, yeah, protein shakes all day long, I'm like, you're on the soylent diet. My gonna-
1: <laughs> No, but it's it's healthier than the soylent. The soylent was, um, it didn't taste as good either. The soylent, yeah. it, it was not. They've as apparently, good.
0: improved soylent since those days. Like, it's healthier. Yeah. A, and they improved the taste. The flavor. And the
1: hopefully some of their manufacturing thing because the big one was they kept oh. having like mold under their
0: yeah caps. no longer made gnarly. of people either
1: yeah no longer that's, that's the, the the main part big change <laughs> the main of ingredients a lot
0: of people say it doesn't taste the same though yeah soil <laughs>
1: um so anyway let's uh cool cool times let's jump into the quick burns
0: <laughs> let's not eat people The March Madness nominations are open. Uh, If you are a longtime listener to the show, you know that every March uh, we risk copyright infringement by doing a tournament style vote to determine our April pick. So in February, we ask you all to nominate books for the tournament. And then in March, we'll do a series of polls where we pit one book against the other the winner of each poll moves on to the next week to go against another winner until we finally only have two books and the winner of the final poll becomes our April book pick. Uh, So we, me and Veronica, select the 16 books based on your suggestions. So the thing we need right now is for you to suggest the books. Uh, Head on over to Goodreads and find the nomination uh, thread where you can just nominate stuff, um, and and Rob does a great job of setting out the rules for nominations. One nomination per person, uh, and he will note to us, you know, how many nominations each book gets. It's not as simple as most nominations makes it in the tournament, but definitely if it gets a lot of nominations, it sways us to want to include it.
1: And no, no one there, there's going to be no. Um, no, what, 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 what are the Hugos? They're making fun of us about the Hugos in the chat. So I want to make sure that we're very clear that we're yeah. not going to deny we anyone entry based on political affiliations at the
0: last minute Yeah,
1: for like random shit they've posted on the internet at some point in their right. careers mm-hmm. or showing any kind of dissent against um, Tom and I specifically, yep. I mean, that's um, really the the main thing is that you, you haven't talked smack about Tom and I on the internet at some point.
0: Right. Or had an, an umbrella author. revolution against us.
1: There you go.
0: <laughs> or supported someone who has. <laughs> Listen, as um, long as you haven't gnarly. supported freedom, you're fine.
1: <laughs> so yeah, this is this is the time to to let your voices be heard. I know there's a a number of folks in the audience <laughs>
0: the um, who. <laughs> <laughs> Scully gave Pilot X a bad review. Disqualified. Just disqualified. disqualified.
1: No, Scalzi is only disqualified for his horrible burrito concoctions. That is the main thing. I don't mind that he
0: gave Pilot X a bad review. It has nothing to do with with that. The
1: burritos are atrocious. They're just a... And Neil Gaiman's not allowed because
0: he hasn't agreed to do an interview with Veronica.
1: (laughs) We haven't asked him either. I'm pretty
0: sure. <laughs> I thought we did. So no, we, I'm sure we, we did. We may have. I it think we did for the video ago. show. We haven't asked him again since then. We never You're heard right. back. Yeah. I
1: think we just never heard back. So it's possible. <laughs> just, so it's possible just didn't make his. Jason spam is saying the
0: Tavala is overrated. <laughs> uh, great.
1: Um, yeah. So we, uh, but I was, as I was saying, a number, number of people in the audience have perennial favorites uh, that have not made it into the final round or been selected. So It's, it's always exciting to see if something, something that's been kind of on the sidelines for a while, if it can get moved through the brackets and and into the winner's circle.
0: Oh, and, and we should point out every year, several of the entrants that don't win the tournament. Do end up getting picked later in the year because it kind of puts us puts them on our yeah. radar, you know. Yeah. So so it's not just like okay, if you don't win the tournament, that's it. You're never going to get red on Sword and Laser. It's 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 a, meant to be a fun way to expose us all to a, a bunch of different titles.
1: And there has been ties in the past.
0: There has. Yeah. There was a dead tie one year. It was crazy. Yeah.
1: So we It had, can uh, get. It can get pretty exciting. We had
0: to go to the Supreme Court, which is also me and Veronica. <laughs>
1: funny enough what a how that works out um so yeah get in there get voting and get ready for some excitement it is march madness
0: it is is mad (laughs) marchness is that we've never called it that but i do like that
1: i do like that i I wonder if that would hold up in court I'm not going to concern myself with it. We're not Either. that famous. Exactly. All right.
0: We should be so lucky.
1: Uh, moving on. Tomahome says, a link for Peter F. Hamilton's next book in September. Uh, we don't know much. It says, number 30 in science fiction TV. What? I don't understand what these numbers mean.
0: These are the- What do these uh, numbers mean? These are the rankings in the, pre- in the pre-orders.
1: I see. Okay. So it's number 30 in science fiction TV movie game tie-in number 50 in movie tie-in fiction, number 67 in steampunk science fiction, and Penguin Random House says it's 900, not 500 pages. Hmm. hmm. Journalism at its finest. <laughs> Apparently it's based on the Exodus game universe. Uh,
0: and by the time I got to the link, it was dead, and uh, Tamahome uh, was was around, thankfully, and gave me a Facebook link uh, and point and, and a new Penguin Random House link. Because they changed the name from The Archimedes Engine to Exodus The Archimedes Engine to indicate that it is based on the Exodus game universe. And uh, it is, according to Peter F. Hamilton, a space opera and the first of two books. And he also makes a joke about like, because I wrote it, it's of course 900 pages.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am not familiar with The Exodus game universe. Is anyone in the chat room? Yeah, I'm not. Um, I believe Tomahome
0: not... is because he says Hamilton contributed to the world of the Exodus game.
1: Yeah, so tell me tell me about the Exodus game universe. I'm curious. I mean, clearly, clearly, it's popular enough to warrant uh, fictionalizations. Oh, Tomahome says I'm not sure it's out.
0: No, so it's it up for a... pre order. It's coming out in September. No, you not actually... the book. The game. Oh. oh, the game isn't out either. Oh, oh, the game. Yeah. Whoa. So maybe
1: this is to like heat up excitement. Uh, over
0: it. Okay, so he helped build the game and then wrote a novel, and it's all coming out. I get it. Nice,
1: fascinating, fascinating. All right, we'll keep an eye out.
0: Indeed, uh, racer nine five one Y pointed out a story that Denis Villeneuve says he will stop making Dune movies after Dune three. Despite more books being in the Dune series, uh, he said Dune Messiah should be the last for me. So I he's think not, That's fair. Yeah, he's not going to keep going. I would want him to stop after the f- first three books anyway, because the this is the this is the better story. Those first yeah, two books. Yeah, it gets to, a little. I yeah. mean, yeah. when you, you get really into have the to work. F- four, five, and six are interesting. I enjoyed them, but they're a, a jump in time and a jump in character and a jump in tone. And so, yeah, I, I think this is good. This is a, it's a good, good move.
1: Tomahome actually brings up a good question. Do we exp- and I should actually ask the guys from DunePod, Pod though? Maybe this is already public knowledge. Is it two movies per book? Is that how- they going to be six
0: movies no, total I think in this series? Or I no? think it's two movies for the first book, one movie for the second book, and then no okay. movie for the third book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: so three movies out of a trilogy, but it's only a two trilogy books of accounted movies. for. Yeah. I see. Confusing. All right. Jan says, uh, The Guardian has an article about the rise of the romanticy genre. Um, And I have to say, like, so I've gotten very into this world recently. I mean, more so, more so, I think, than when I was in Vaginal Fantasy. Like, it has really become a, like, kind of an obsession, which is weird. Mm Mm-hmm. But the the community around it is in insanely huge, like on social. Like this is a thing. I went to a birthday party on Saturday night and I met maybe four women who I had never met before. And actually uh, two men, Um, which, yeah, I'm not trying to be sexist, but it has been predominantly like a female and female identifying driven like phenomena Mm -hmm. um, online at least. So this was, you know, kind of surprising to me also and all of us just spent the entire party talking about these books, and that was and specifically about Sarah J. Mass and like Sarah her J. novels. Sarah J. Mass
0: is everywhere. The queen right now. There is no um, book list. When I was trying to look up ideas for like what are the hot new books in sci-fi, they kept telling me Sarah J. Mass everywhere I looked. Yeah. Well, Sarah J. Mass. I'm like, well, first of all, not sci-fi. <laughs> um, yeah, it's fantasy, and but it's okay. It's,
1: and so, the funniest thing is, though, I've been reading, watching all these TikTok videos, and I saw, I came across one yesterday that was like, here's some romantic books that don't have any spiciness in them. And I was like, so fantasy? Books?
0: <laughs> so they just called fantasy. <laughs> well, I mean, so... I guess they could still be a romance and not be spicy. They'd just be a, you know, chaste yeah. romance.
1: It's interesting, though, in all of these, uh, and one of the reasons I picked this month's book pick is because a number of these uh, book talk reviewers, when they do talk about fantasy novels that they like that are not romance, they mention Shadow of the Gods. Mm. And specifically, John Gwynn is an author that they all really like. Really, and I found that so interesting because I don't really feel like he has come up much in our circles in yeah. the past. And so I'm wondering what is the tie-in? Is it just the the era, you know, like the the time period? I, but I, it's 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 kind of baffling to me. Anyway, I just I just find it very like this world to be very exciting in a way yeah. because of the fervor behind it right now. And maybe it's going to kind of like, you know, chill out in the future and people will get a little tired of it. But yeah, this is, it is a, it's a phenomenon. Like I haven't seen in genre fiction in many, many, many years, many, many years. And yeah, vaginal fantasy was clearly ahead of its time. <laughs> right. We were. This could have been, this could have been our moment. Yeah. Um, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, so yeah, actually, Sarah J Maas is on the... Uh, Sarah J Maas, Rebecca Yaros. Um, these are the 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 highlights of this genre right now, though there are many, many more.
0: Uh, Chris K. pointed us to the annual recommended reading list from Locus for last year. Uh, this is something that confuses people if you're not familiar with it, but I find it incredibly useful. Every year, Locus, after the year is done looks at the previous year and says, okay, of everything that came out last year, here's what we recommend. And it's a long list. Uh, They're not just picking two or three books, but it's a great way to kind of say, okay, the year is done. Uh, We had to wait for the year to be done. Now we can say, these are the books we'd recommend. And I find it really useful as a way to see if there's anything I really missed. Like, oh, I didn't Mm. realize that person put out a book or, oh, what is that? I didn't hear about that book. So Chris Kaye said some of the highlights for them were System Collapse by Martha Wells, The Road to Roswell by Connie Willis, Lost in the Moment and Found by Shauna McGuire, Witch King by Martha Wells, and The Sinister Booksellers of Bath by Garth Nix.
1: Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I love always, you know, I, I think my TBR at this point is, uh, unsurmountable, um, but I'm happy to keep adding new things to it all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like my to be read pile is, um, is like a compost pile. (laughs) Tell me (laughs) more. There's things that, that, that sort of eventually fall down to the bottom and then turn to dirt and I never Mm -hmm. read them, but that doesn't mean I want to, don't want to keep adding to it.
1: That's right. That's a weird analogy, but I I see where you're going with it, I
0: think. Yeah. It's only like that in one respect because I definitely still pick things off of it and read them.
1: It's more like when you do your laundry and all of your favorite clothes are in the laundry and they're at the bottom of the clean clothes basket Mm -hmm. and you just keep picking the clothes from the top of the basket because Uh, they're easiest to find. But like, there may be some goodies at the bottom of the basket. Yeah.
0: You just need to dig down. Yeah. And oh,
1: eventually, a, once in a while, you need to dump out the basket. That's a very and rifle through things and yeah. put them where they belong. Maybe that's take some this, things to the goodwill or, or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> um, so we talked about this uh, quite a bit last week, but Okin says that the, uh, the 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 next next part of the saga of WorldCon in Chengdu, uh, or you know, it already happened, uh, but now that we are getting all the information about why things were happening the way they did. Uh, Okin says Worldcon IP organization reacts to recent criticism of the 2023 Hugo Awards and actions of the Chengdu Award administrators. Specifically, several members have been, quote, censured for actions of the Hugo committee that they presided over and have resigned from the WIP board, including Dave McCarty, uh, the board member and administrator who behaved very condescendingly toward people asking for answers, um, no further details on the decision-making process were provided, although clearly award shenanigans took place based on reasons for censure. Uh, so this uh, this fella, uh, Dave, uh, so he had posted something on Facebook about the Hugos, and this was something that I didn't know at the time of our last recording, um, but because there was no official place for people to ask questions about why certain authors hadn't made it in or what they were censured for or what happened... Flocks of people, hundreds of people went over to his personal Facebook post about this and started asking questions. And he reacted extremely defensively about the decisions and, as Oaken noted, spoke very condescendingly to many people just asking very basic questions, including Neil Gaiman who literally went to the blog post and was like, why was Sandman episode six censured? It has nothing political in it. Like, I I would understand perhaps if there was something, you know, highly politicized in this episode or in the series at all, but there weren't. And he couldn't get a good answer from him. So when Neil Gaiman personally comes into your Facebook page to start asking questions and you're still reacting like, you know, kind of a D-bag... Like you're gonna have some problems from the sci-fi fantasy community, so that's kind of the way things have gone. So I'm, you know, frankly, with his behavior, I I think it was the right thing to do for him to uh, to step down.
0: I don't know. Um, mm, I, okay. Here, here's here's my complex thought on this. Uh, mm-hmm. His personal Facebook page was not the right place for this conversation to happen. It is very uh it's it's very understandable that someone not trained in you know social media and public relations uh would react poorly to a bunch of people pouring in on your personal facebook page which maybe up until now was just you know your aunts and uncles talking about your nieces uh and this this is a human being who was overwhelmed and reacted badly i think it's probably fair to say You know what, Dave? Thanks a lot. It was a hard one, wasn't it? You did your part. Great job. See you later. Right? Like, but (laughs) that's
1: kind of what happened.
0: And so I'm not so much taking taking issue with him being, you know, sent along, but I also think it's it's fair to be like, yeah, uh, if a bunch of people came pouring into your Facebook page, you might not act well either. And this is the part that I think is important it should never have gone there. That's not where it should have happened. Uh, So that takes us to the next thing, which is uh, John Scalzi, according to Oaken, noted that Glasgow Worldcon has, in light of the Chengdu incident, committed to transparency in the 2024 Hugo Awards. In short, at the closing of nominations and finalization of the ballot, they will announce any withdrawals as well as disqualifications and the reasons for them. Uh, so I think that goes a long way to avoiding this kind of thing happening again. And also, I would encourage them, and, and maybe they're doing this because uh, we're just looking at this one post from Okun, uh, but there should be a place, a, a formal place for people to ask questions like Neil Gaiman had a perfectly legitimate question of like, hey, man, there's nothing in that episode. I'm curious why it got removed. They're going, this is part of the way, which like, if the, something is removed, we'll put reasons why there should also be a forum, an official forum for people to interact and say, Hey, I've got a follow-up question. It shouldn't happen on somebody's personal Facebook page.
1: Okay. I I've been waiting a long time to respond to this now. (laughs) I I disagree. Um, I think as a representative of a committee of that size and of that kind of like in his position in the committee, if he's posting about official like Worldcon business on his personal Facebook page, like he should expect to have these conversations there. Like if you're posting something in a public space that is with regards to your professional work and you are receiving comments on that totally public Open to conversation, open to comment, Facebook page, then you should at least say, hey, this isn't the right place to have this conversation. Here's a link to the Worldcon website where you can input comments or hold on, let me get something set up. I'll have it done by the end of the day. If you don't want to have that conversation there, you can turn off your comments, you can delete the post, you can add different ways of getting in touch with you. But to be rude to people, to be condescending, to to not have answers, I think that was 100% the wrong way to handle that conversation. And they should have expected something like this happening. They had already seen the rumblings of it on the internet. So it shouldn't have been a huge surprise. Like, I don't think he should be, you know, pilloried for it. I don't think he should be, like, personally attacked necessarily. I mean, he did bring some of this on him with his reaction to the questions and comments. Um, but at the same time, you're right, he is human. Uh, but I think this was handled in so many ways incorrectly. And, you know, just a reminder that each World Con is handled by its own local steering committee. Um, so you know, I, I always feel as though when things go poorly at one world con, every every year is a fresh start um, to do things over again. And so I have a lot of hope that things will be uh, a bit sunnier. And as you mentioned, now that there's so much more transparency being baked into the process, uh, everyone is learning through the the failures and disappointments and misses of previous world cons. And that's how it should be, um, just to continually improve. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it was the right move, uh, in this case for him to, to step down.
0: I agree. That's my opinion. I I agree with you. I agree mm. with you that, uh, it was not the right way to react and it was not the right way to handle it. Uh, and I also agree with you that, um, he shouldn't be pilloried and he he's not a bad person for not being good at his job. He was very mm-hmm. bad at his job we, we tend these days to be like, well, if you're not perfect at your job, you're awful. And, uh, I, I don't think this person is awful. Uh, I also don't think they should ever be involved in the Hugos again. And, you know, this there's a perfectly fine person, you know, and, and should not, you know, and should not suffer. Uh, but also shouldn't, shouldn't be doing this job. I think they've demonstrated. I mean, that. We don't
1: know that he's a perfectly fine person.
0: But I think we should assume people are perfectly fine people until we know otherwise, right? I'm just saying. And and the other thing is you might say, well, he he clearly is not a nice person. Look at all those condescending things he said. Um, Again, it's easy to say that when you're not in the position. Anybody who's been online and started to get frustrated and said things they later regretted online should remember that could be any one of us. Uh, Some of us are cut out for handling this. Some of us are Dave McCarty. There you go. (laughs) He very clearly was not cut out to handle this, is all I'm saying.
1: All right. Take
0: it away. Seth, moving uh, on. <laughs> said Fourth Wing helped curb Big Five publisher domination of the 2023 bestseller list, as reported by Publishers Weekly. Uh, looks like the trend is that the Big Five continue to dominate, but that their grip may be slowly ebbing. Probably a good thing when it comes to having a diversity of titles out there to read.
1: Very cool. Romanticy's doing it again.
0: Yeah. That's good. This is usually the way it goes when, when there's like a big five or a big four, eventually, you know, somebody comes up with the indie label or the indie movie or, you know, uh, and shakes Mm -hmm. things up and that's, uh, that's fourth wing. And that's good to see. I'm with you, Seth.
1: All right. Well, thank you to everybody who, uh, submitted for I almost said for Barrier Sword, for Quick Burns, Um, you can do so by posting over on Goodreads or in our Discord if you have news stories that you want us to talk about. And now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience.
0: Ruth says it's unusual for both hosts to admit they didn't really like the book. It's definitely an unusual choice for Sword and Laser. It's in that zone of not quite science fiction where it has unrealistic aspects, but as Tom says, the world isn't fully built. Of course, this is uh, our our read from last month that we're talking about. Shining Girls, yeah. right. By Lauren Bucus,
1: Yeah, I'm still, I mean, we we did not like it, right? Like, I think that we did, is that the consensus? <laughs> we I think can, both we said it was kind of type type blended in some fun? sort
0: of like, you know, I'm not I don't regret having read it, but mm. I didn't enjoy having read did the reading yeah. of it. Yeah,
1: it's like type two point five.
0: Yeah, yeah. Type two point five is perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also, yeah. Ruth,
0: yeah. Uh, for both hosts to admit that they didn't really like the book, are you implying that sometimes we don't like it and don't admit it? <laughs>
1: Maybe I wonder if sometimes, and I can't think of an example of this, but maybe there's sometimes where we like were kind of met on something, but we saw like a lot of value in it. Yeah, and yeah. So we were I think like, that's fair.
0: Yeah,
1: and I still, I, I'm always I trying value to be in honest. This too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm definitely. I love. I love honesty. I love it.
0: It's such a lonely and, word, as Billy Joel wrote. Did he? Yeah, honesty. Sing it's it. such a Sing lonely it, word. Everyone is so unsure. I can't. I'm not going to sing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Steven says, uh, Star Trek Season 2, Episode 14, Wolf in the Fold, written by Robert Block, had a murderous, immoral, immortal entity. Uh, The crime was first placed on Scotty, who was last seen with the- What am I reading? Okay.
0: This is in response to the Shining Girls.
1: Okay. The crime was first placed on Scotty who was last seen with the victim and couldn't remember what happened because Scotty got drunk on shore leave. So I am giving The Shining Girls a full-hearted, quote, it is a SF book. I remember Dan as being a former crime beat reporter who moved over to the sports beat. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, the Dan thing, I, I don't think anybody's taken issue with, but yes, um, that's interesting to be like, ah, same same plot in a Star Trek episode as The Shining Girls, so therefore it's sci-fi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, interesting take. It's interesting an interesting take.
0: take. Yeah. There yeah. are also spaceships in Star Trek of which there were none in The Shining Girls.
1: This took place in a spaceship. Yes. Yeah. Not The Shining Girls,
0: Star Trek. No, The Shining Girls, what if it had? That would have been amazing. If they, so, it was okay. all a holodeck episode at the end.
1: <laughs> interesting thought. Interesting thought um exercise here. And this has maybe happened, but I'm just going to say it out loud just to cuz I think it's funny. So if you are on the Enterprise, you're watching an episode of the Enterprise mm-hmm. of Star Trek, <laughs> not of Enterprise <laughs> specifically. It could be any Star Trek. <laughs> any, Star Trek and, got it. <laughs> any Star Trek. And the whole plot of the story has nothing to do with the characters being on the starship or talking about future technology or s- basically it's just like a human tale that just happens to take place yeah. on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. Is that science fiction?
0: Yeah, some of the best episodes of Star Trek fit that definition too. That's a great but question. I figured, yeah. I
1: figured, but I just wanted to like, you know, play around with that. I feel like a little that's bit.
0: space opera.
1: Is that space opera? Okay. Yeah.
0: I don't. Yeah, okay. And then you can have the argument of whether space opera is science fiction or not, which is you know, there's no right, right or wrong answer to. It. That's all subjective. But yeah, that feels space opera because you're relying on science for the background, not for the story. Uh, Paul says hardcover should definitely hire Veronica. I'm going to join hardcover, download the app and give it four stars. My review, the only thing that would make the app better is if Veronica Belmont worked there. Then the app would be unstoppably awesome.
1: I love it. I love it. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. (laughs) I'm honestly like I am. I am enjoying using hardcover, though. I have to say it is very hard when you are so embedded in an existing platform like Goodreads. Yeah. And so like I'm reading, you know, I'm finishing books left and right these days um, on employment. Um, And so like adding them to Goodreads, it's hooked into my Kindle. It's hooked into my phone. It's just like everything happens automatically so much. And so to, Added onto hardcover, I have to go do that manually or continually reimport my Goodreads list. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what happens. Like, I don't know if it will update my good update my hardcover list if I continue, to, or just write over my existing list. So I'm like scared to do that. But yeah, it's 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 hard to to fight against an incumbent that's so implanted, embedded in everyone's experience already.
0: Yeah. Tough. I've, I've found the job. same thing. I'm not reading as many books as you, but, but even the ones I am finishing, like you say, if it's a Kindle book, it automatically marks in good reads. And then I have to remember to open hardcover and put it in there. And I have been doing that because I do, I am enjoying using hardcover. Um, yeah, this is, uh, why decentralized systems are better than centralized ones.
1: They're better if you are not the, uh, like I said, the incumbent and control the, yeah. the, the essentially the, the monopoly of, of content. So,
0: a Neil Dash pointed this out in his uh, column yesterday. We talked about it on Good Day Internet today. Um, podcasting has always been decentralized from the beginning. And mm-hmm. there is a very successful industry built upon it. And it never got centralized. Despite many attempts, <laughs> like yeah. it has resisted that. And yet it's still incredibly valuable and people build valuable businesses upon it. So it can be done.
1: It's true. And I feel like attempts to put podcasts into walled gardens, like Spotify, for example, mm-hmm. have not been extremely successful. Um, they and certainly have met haven't with been ex- of-
0: successful at capturing, right? Yeah. They've only been successful at serving their already existing audience with something that you could get anywhere else.
1: I mean, that's that's even like there were shows that I was listening to on Overcast, for example, you know, just via RSS, whatever. Yeah. Who switched over like Gimlet shows uh-huh. basically who switched over to to Spotify exclusively and I just stopped listening. Yeah. And I pay for Spotify. Uh-huh. But I didn't want to change my listening experience. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And the shows that a lot of those Spotify exclusive shows aren't exclusive anymore, even though they're still Spotify. Mm shows. They went back to open RSS.
1: Interesting. All right. Yeah. We'll have to go look for them again. <laughs> yeah. They're still good. Well,
0: yeah. Right. And now they got to try yeah. to recapture that audience.
1: Right. Um, dear Veronica, losing your job is never fun, but believe it or not, when it happened to me, I found it not as bad as people say I was unemployed between July, 2022 and February, 2023. It was a time to catch up on sleep, see and visit with people. I haven't for a long time, for whatever reason, Volunteering helped a lot. It got me out of the house and was a fun way to network. I helped out at a local zoo, nonprofit movie theater, and Friends of the Library. Friends of the Library are nonprofits that get donations of used books and sell them to the community for low costs. It's great for discovering books and authors that you never knew about or have been meaning to try. It's how I found some old fantasy novels from the 1980s and 90s by Dennis L. McKiernan. Best, David.
0: Thanks, David. That's so sweet.
1: I am using my time getting swole AF, uh, but I How should look into- How much can you bench into... now? I, I can't bench that much, so I don't want to embarrass myself by saying it out loud. Um, my deadlifting I'll just goal- i say a
0: lot. A lot more a than lot. you, Tom. Because that's probably <laughs> I care also much true. more
1: about my deadlifting goal than my bench press goal. My deadlifting okay. goal is to get back to my pre-pregnancy um, RP of uh, 200 and like 203 202 somewhere around there Dang. um which is not that much that's not that much like ultimately i'd like to get to 300 um but that's those are that's the current goal
0: it's more than i do
1: for deadlift
0: yeah you know what i might do really i do zero. Oh
1: <laughs> Cause, well cause you I... but you 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 probably could
0: <laughs> it's, it's eh, yeah
1: maybe we'll yeah. see all right. Um, so thank you, David. That is very sweet and it's a good, um, I, I have actually been thinking about trying to find some volunteer work locally, like with the, uh, the BCSPCA, the BCSP, yeah. it's not SPCA because that's San oh. Francisco, right? It's no, the, it's society.
0: S is society. The, for oh the yeah. The BCSPCA.
1: Yeah. yeah. They have a local, local chapter here and that would be fun. So yeah. All right. Let's uh, hop into the book of the month discussion.
0: So Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn uh, is our read this month. We we, we sort of talked about it uh, a little last month or last month. Yeah, I guess it was last month. <laughs> it was, was still, last month. It Definitely, was still the end of January. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, John Gwynn uh, is a uh, an author who writes Norse-inspired fantasy. Uh, we're not going to be spoilery today, uh, but we do have a few threads to talk about and the one thing I've noticed uh, in reading it is that it feels like a setting doorway. It feels mm. very much like the setting is the star of the show. And that's different than most of the books we read, which are either very character or at least plot oriented. Um, mm-hmm. We've, we've occasionally read some where the writing is the star of the show, but rarely where setting is as much of a star of the show as this one. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to be spoilery, but there there are like three major plot lines and I kept expecting them to cross more. Uh, and instead I was just kind of getting lost in the wilderness in a good way of like, man, this is this world, this is, you know, we're just finding out more and more of it, the more the story goes. So I don't know. Did it, does it strike you that way?
1: That's a really interesting perspective. I like that. Um, I think you're right. And I'm, I'm only about I think I'm just under 30% of the way through. I'm kind of where mm, that's spoilery. Yeah. Um. W- one of the three storylines is, has just picked up in a very gnarly way and mm. um, mm-hmm. is starting an epic quest of revenge. Yes. Um,
0: yes. Yes. Okay. I know exactly where you are. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so it's, it's definitely like, it's been, it's been pretty intense up until now, but And I get caught up in these moments of action where I get really sucked into it. And then there's, like, a little bit of a lull time of, like, a little more world building, a little more character development, and then, like, a big action scene. You're like, ah! And... But yeah, I Daryl says in chat that like he really needs a pronunciation guide to this book. I'm I'm oh, reading yeah. this, I'm reading with my eyeballs on this one and not listening to the audiobook. So I am having a hard time. Let me tell I you.
0: De- I definitely was glad I did the audiobook.
1: <laughs> oh, this. good. You're gonna be the 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 explainer then for the yeah. <laughs> for all the a, pronunciations. Uh, it, it,
0: and and I, I was impressed by the number of people in our Discord who already knew this, because I didn't, uh, but a sax. Is is basically like a knife, although there's also a knife that they rec- they they mentioned later. So there's a difference yeah, between a knife it's and a, a sax. a special knife. But a sax is more like a knife or a short sword than it is uh, than it is a anything else. And so that's
1: else. how you pronounce that word that is spelled S E A X. Yeah, sax. Sax, like yeah. sax, like a saxophone.
0: Yeah, sax.
1: Okay, that's the name of the episode.
0: Saxomophone.
1: <laughs> saxomophone spelled with S E A X. Someone remind me to write the, write that down, Tom, quickly. Before I'm writing it,
0: I'm writing it. Sex. Oh, Tomahome
1: also said, "Let's talk about sex, baby."
0: <laughs> let's talk about sex. Let's talk baby, about stabbing you. Let's talk
1: about you stabbing let's me. Let's talk about
0: killing you with a sax in the gut.
1: <laughs> um. And all your entrails spilling. Yeah, Let's talk about this
0: is sex. not for the week of of stomach. We'll get to
1: that. Hold, yeah. hold that thought. Okay, hold that thought. We've got mm-hmm. a we've got a thread about thus. Um, so Jan says. Uh, so what are we uh, nomming? Actually, cross out feasting on this yes. month. Any food or drinks you enjoy while reading the shadow of the gods? I think I will try some warm mead. I had previously ordered a bottle of Viking Blood mead with cherry. And sangui de moi, made with black food coloring. I think I pronounced that incorrectly. And I think I will open them for this book. They seem quite appropriate. So, what are you feasting on, fellow bu- bloodsworn?
0: <laughs> oh Ooh. yeah, I like the names. What is it? The grim, the bloodsworn, and the.
1: Oh yeah, the. Uh,
0: now I'm blanking on the other the other one.
1: Yeah, me too. Gr- grim something.
0: The grim, the grim folks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can actually do a, I, so I, I broke my three month edge and, uh, had a drink the other night. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. So now I can, you know, for special occasions, I got hung over, Really, I had two drinks and felt sick the next day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's what three Um, months off will do.
1: Yep. So maybe I should have some, like a small glass of mead.
0: Oaken suggested pickled herring. Um, I
1: do have lingonberry jam.
0: I can make a lingonberry
1: cocktail. That would be fun.
0: I used to get my pickled herring. I can actually get pickled herring at the grocery store near me uh, and it's fine, but I used to get really good pickled herring at Ikea before they stopped carrying other brands and started sourcing all of their food themselves, Mm -hmm. which means the food that they have is really good, but they have much narrower selection than they used to.
1: Uh, did you talk about the salted licorice that Oaken recommended?
0: No, I didn't.
1: That looks crazy.
0: Spenskjavlar. Oh yeah. I like licorice. I know a lot of people don't love licorice, but it's I it. It's not my like...
1: favorite, but I would, I would try this. I would try this for sure. Um, and he says for drinking, there's <laughs> Aquavit. It's Scandinavian gin of sorts with different herbal flavor profile, less juniper and more steering toward dill. Hmm. Uh, Death & Co. has a cocktail called the Great Northern, uh, sorry, no AI recipes allowed, which is uh, two ounces of Lini Aquavit, uh, three-quarter ounce of Lille Blanc, Blanc, uh, half an ounce of Contreau, uh, three-fourths of an ounce of lemon juice, and one-half ounce of acacia honey syrup.
0: Ooh, that sounds good.
1: Yeah, that does sound good.
0: Although Coyote Brown's pointing out in chat, for real Viking vibes, you need to steal whatever you eat from an Englishman.
1: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm okay um i'm here for it i'm very here for it
0: and yeah he's uh coyote brand saying what i was thinking the great northern that that's the hotel in twin peaks so i i assume that is a reference to that
1: hmm. all right then i will jump into our next thread Which is what's going on in your thought cage? Oh, I I do love your thought cage. cage.
0: Yeah, I, I love. I love that. It's interesting what terms he decides to keep in, in an old language like sax, what terms mm-hmm. he just turns into modern things. So you don't even notice them because it's just current English and what right. terms he kind of, kind of transliterates like thought cage, right? That would be translated as your mind if we were like translating to mm-hmm. English, but he, he translates it literally like that. Uh, and it's, and it, it's, it's cool. Uh, it gives you an, uh, an insight into how people are thinking.
1: Yeah. So Seth says, uh, I'm familiar with the idea of a kenning, at least familiar as Wikipedia can make me. And that's what I figure is going on with the phrase thought cage. But why is this basically the only example? And why does he use it twice a chapter? <laughs> I think kennings are supposed to be for ornamentation. Um, they would make more sense when a jarl or mercenary is speaking of their deeds or something. I don't really buy that someone's internal monologue includes thought cage instead of mind, head, brain, et cetera. Really, though, that's the only complaint I can level against the book so far. I'm enjoying it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. A kenning, I thought a ken like, well, like to ken something is to know, right? That's my my ken. <laughs> I just <laughs> I assumed it was mind. I I just yeah. assumed
0: it, it meant what's going on in your mind. hmm Um so he, it might not even be an actual translation of anything. It may be just something he made up.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ruth says, um, I was initially confused by this post and then I read the relevant chapter eight, I think. And yep, thought cages, it's not a term I've encountered before. And I live in the UK, so it's definitely not in common parlance on this side of the pond. Is it perhaps a literal translation of an old Norse term that yeah. Gwyn thought sounded cool?
0: Yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of word. There's a lot of words in other languages that when you translate them into English, they, they sound funny, but they just mean something totally different. It's just a different way of saying things. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's just every time the word thought cage was used, if you replaced it with mind, the sentence worked worked. perfectly. So that's why I assumed it was just mind and not an actual cage.
1: (laughs) I asked my friend Google and the only hits for quote thought cage Norse were for this book. I think he made it up. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Battle Grim. <laughs> Thank you, Jason Reeds. The Bloodsworn and the Battle Grim. Love it. That's so oh, badass. Okay. Uh, and then we also had a uh, thread from Ruth. Uh, if anyone was hoping for a let up on the violence after last month's serial killer shenanigans, Whoa. I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed. The very first chapter features entrails spilled on the ground and things don't get better from there. I'm only about a fifth of the way through and already there's been plenty of bloodshed. I especially like the fight with the troll in chapter seven. The description of its spoiler really mm-hmm. added a certain je ne sais quoi. I don't mind a bit of violence in my books, but I do find constant bone crunching and blood spilling a bit wearisome. I'm just hoping that as the plot unfolds, I find the character's stories compelling enough that I don't mind the blood and guts and brains splattered everywhere. What do y'all think?
1: Well, first of all, I don't think saying that the troll had giant testicles is really a Spoiler! Spoiler! <laughs> I think if you're already admitting that there's a troll in chapter seven, then saying that the troll had giant spoiler. testicles is not a spoiler. No,
0: just no reason to read the book now.
1: <laughs> I mean, I would hope that in this kind of world, one would expect a troll. People get
0: pretty sensitive about spoilers, but yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I get what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so this this is interesting, and I think this is definitely a um, a personal preference and a personal, like, you know, tolerance level thing. I think for me, the type of violence is very different in some ways. Like the 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 violence in Shining Girls felt very A, personal, B leveled towards women and C, you know, done with a lot of forethought and intention. Yeah. (laughs) Um this kind of like battle violence, it always, I mean, with the exception of like people having family members killed or what have you, I mean, there's a lot of that in this book as well, but um, it feels, you know, it's, it's more like watching an episode of, of Game of Thrones in a way where it's, it's, you know, just part of the world um, for better or for worse, mostly for worse for these folks, obviously. Um, but it's, it's, it doesn't impact me personally in the same way. I think that I'm not affected in the same way to the same degree I am with the kind of violence in, in the shining
0: girls. Yeah. Because it is more removed. Is that why it's more
1: abstract in some ways? Yeah. Yeah. Like you can imagine like the, it was very easy to imagine the scenes. Well, I don't want to get too much into it because I think y'all understand what I'm talking about, but, um, It's a little bit less. Uh, Some people in the chat are saying like, I don't think Vikings were any nicer to women than the dude in shining girls was. I know. I, I totally know that, but we haven't at least so far in this book (laughs) to me had, have had a lot of like explicit, like sexual violence happening in this novel so far, if that happens, I'll definitely have different feelings about it. Um, but it did, it did feel a lot more personal in shining girls.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of women Vikings. Also, these aren't real Vikings. This is a fantasy world. So, you know, there's all kinds of things. I was looking for Thought Cage on Google while we were talking, and Google gave me this related search, Shadow of the Gods characters, the results being Rebecca Yaros, Fonda Lee, Carissa Broadbent, Evan Winter, and Robin Hobb. Kristen Broderman, also
1: a great a great romancey author, by the way. Yeah,
0: I don't remember any of them being. In I don't remember Shadow any of the them being in there. Yeah, but no. maybe I just didn't get to that part. So
1: Robin yeah. Hobb is another one of the authors that a lot of the romancey readers are like discovering as like a good like fantasy author who may not have spicy stuff in their books. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, I find it so funny. Oh, it's just fantasy, y'all. It's just fantasy. There's, it does exist out there in the world. Um, but yeah, that's, that's anyway, getting back to, to Ruth's point, um, totally, totally recognize that there's definitely a lot of pretty gruesome violence in this book. And I think people are going to react differently to it depending on their personal experiences and, and tolerance levels.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think you expressed it very well that it's a very different kind of violence than the book we read last month than the shining girls. Um, that doesn't mean you might not get w- weary of it the way Ruth did. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there definitely were some parts where I was like, "Okay, wearisome is the perfect word." But I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, entrails and, and okay, fine, you know, when when can we get back to the good part?" But, um, but I didn't I didn't run into that too often, uh, even even as gory as as it gets uh, from time to time because these characters were fascinating, I, I guess. Character is what I'd put right behind setting on the doorway. I feel like the yeah. setting is is the star, but the but the characters that we meet and and get to know are are very deep, and very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My my impression of Varg. Am I saying that correctly? Varg. Varg is Var, I think. It is Varg. It is Varg. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I thought I said it wrong last week and you corrected me, but I thought that's what I thought it was. I think anyway. I
0: corrected you wrong last week. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I'm pretty oh, okay. sure. Yeah.
1: Um <laughs> Uh, he, his character has completely, I, I, I have very different feelings about his character in, in the book where I'm at now versus the beginning of the book. Yeah. I thought he was much more sinister, I mm-hmm. think, than he's actually turned out to be, which is, is curious. Um.
0: That reminds anyway. me that there's another aspect of this which I find fascinating, uh, and I don't want to be too spoilery, but the way they deal with thralls and how mm. thralls become thralls or stop being thralls or enjoy or don't enjoy their life as thralls uh, is something I've been wanting someone to do for a long time um, because the thraldom. Of the Vikings. And and granted, this is fantasy. It's not history, but the thralldom of the Vikings is a kind of slavery with its own kind of evil that is different from what we normally in the United States think of when we think of slavery, which is transatlantic slavery. Um, and and I found that a really fascinating treatment of like, it's not the same, but Mm -hmm. it has its own, you know, it, it has its own horrors. And I I thought that was interesting how he treated it.
1: Yeah. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in this book. I'm excited. It's, it's, it's different from what, I mean, it's, we haven't really read any Norse fantasy before Norse mythology based fantasy before. Have we,
0: I mean, I think we've read Norse influenced things with grimdark here and there, Mm, but mm -hmm. nothing like this, nothing where it's like, this takes place in a Norse world in an elder scrolls world. Yeah.
1: Elder Scrolls world, definitely getting lots of vibes uh, yeah. from from Skyrim for sure. All right, folks, thank you so much for contributing your stories and conversations. As always, our shirt, uh, man, I blew it. Our show is currently entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to everyone who backs us. If you want to help support us, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash Sword and Laser.
0: You can also support the show by buying books through our links. You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks.
1: Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are at uh, swordandlaser.com for all of your website needs. <laughs> if you want to talk to us on Instagram, X, Mastodon, threads, et cetera, we are at swordandlaser. And all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com and over on our discord. We'll see you next time.